Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talk Gnosis After Dark. And we are going to be continuing our discussion of the Gospel of Thomas and time with verse 15. We're being joined tonight by my co-host, Delaney Peterson, and by my wonderful producer, Father Tony. Greetings, guys. How are you tonight? Good. I am doing well. I am doing well. So we had a good talk during the video, Bishop Ken. Yeah, I think so. And uh, even though it was one of those very short verses, you know, I think there's um, kind of a lot kind of hidden within that verse. And I think a lot that can be kind of dissected, I think, for further analysis. I think the more we you, you read and interact with you know, interact with this verse, uh, the more that it starts you, you start you know, gleaning more more and more information from it. It's kind of interesting mm -hmm. that way, particularly when you get to discuss it with somebody, mm -hmm. like we do during the video. So, yeah, this is this is an interesting one because when I was doing the research on it, um, it seems like the commentators didn't have much to say either. No, the commentators really didn't have much to say in there. And for our viewers who uh, aren't familiar with the, the uh, with the verse, you want to go ahead and uh, read it from Bishop Peterson? Certainly. Uh, Jesus said, when you see him who is not born of woman, fall down upon your faces and worship him. That one is your father. So it's, uh, you know... Pretty short, pretty sweet, and as we noted, there there are some, some one of the a couple of the issues here is that we don't have a parallel in either mm -hmm. the canonical New Testament or in any of, of the Gnostic uh, the writings. We don't have an exact parallel. Mm -hmm. uh, the term "being born of woman" is used in, in the Bible, uh, mm -hmm. in, in the canonical Bible, uh, in Job fourteen one. Um, and in Galatians 4.4, and in Galatians 4.4, uh, the writer associates, uh, states that Christ is born of woman. Um, now, curiously, as I pointed out, in uh, the, another canonical uh, scripture, 1 Corinthians 15.45, mm -hmm. Paul associates um, Jesus with Adam. He, the sec he becomes the second Adam. The first Adam became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. Now, the interesting thing is Adam was not born of woman. Mm -hmm. He was made from the dust. So um, I find I, you know that may or may not be relevant to this discussion, but mm -hmm. there is an association here of Christ with Adam, who was not born of a woman. However, the canonical, uh, the, the synoptics at least, it definitely associate, make it clear that Christ was born of a woman. Um, so one one question that is that is that we have to deal with here is Jesus making a distinct distinguishing himself between the, that one is your father between the one who is the father, or mm -hmm. is he what is what is he what is he playing at here? And that, mm -hmm. that's not real clear. And as we discussed, um, you know, there, there are the as we take this verse in sequence, when you see him who is not born of woman, which of course begs the question, uh, how are we going to identify this individual? How are we going to be able to identify who is not born of woman? Fall down upon your faces, worship him, and then we have at the end the identification that one is your father. There is mm -hmm. a progress with this. There is a progression with this verse, and we, you know, we see there's obviously an unspoken thing here about recognition, worship, and then identification. Mm -hmm. And that that may have um, that may be some material to work with as far as I'm concerned with this verse. Father Tony, when you were uh, listening to us during the uh, uh, 
pod, or during the uh, video cast earlier, um, did you have any thoughts or notes that you were putting down on, uh, regarding this particular verse? Mostly I was just making faces at you guys. No, I did actually, but before, before that, I wanted to mention, you mentioned during the show the um, Early Christian Writings website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which actually I had never looked at before. You put it in the notes and I, I mean, I've looked at the website, but I didn't know that they went into as much detail on each individual Logian on the, on, in the Gospel of Thomas. And so there, I found some mm -hmm. interesting comments from the users. The ones that struck me as interesting um, were the, the, the comments from the, from the users um, referring to the Quran. And I'm not familiar, I'm not very familiar with the Quran, but uh um, it's it you know Islam is interesting to me and and uh, I I hope to one day be able to have time to <laughs> read more about it. But the two particular passages that were quoted, um, I think, speak to two different um, uh, theological ideas that have been associated with Gnosticism over the years. The first one I uh, from. Uh, from the Quran, um, 20, uh, chapter 25, verse 2, if that's how the numbering system actually works. Um, he, who, uh, he to whom belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth, and who has not taken a son and has not had a partner in dominion, and has created each thing and determined it with precise determination. Um, referring to, uh, you know, someone who has not... Um, you know, who, who hasn't had children and who, who isn't married and, and who presumably lives a life of celibacy. Mm -hmm. um, so this, this refers to kind of an antinatalism that we've talked about in, in past episodes here on this show. Um, the, the kind of Gnostic idea that uh, procreation is generally bad um, because it further traps more sparks of the divine in the material world, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think that that is... Um, you can read that into this this particular Logian uh, if you choose to in a certain way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if you meet someone who isn't born of woman, someone who hasn't been through that process of, of the trapping of a divine spark in the material, somebody who exists completely in a spiritual sense uh, mm -hmm. would be, in this case, the father. Mm -hmm. Implying that there's only one person like that, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. because you would, you would know right away that somebody who wasn't born of, of woman was the father, and which also um, negates a different kind of uh, theological idea, that, uh, th that of docetism, uh, where Jesus was not actually a physical person, that, that Jesus was a uh, spirit, uh, you know, pretending to be a person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, uh, there's some yeah, there's some Christological uh, issues here. But as I said, one of the problems is this verse exists in is saying it exists in isolation, and so yeah. it's difficult to go back and forth and get some context. Well, that's true. But I mean, if you if you go a little further afield, I think there's there's Manichaean pan parallels mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah. Um, you're talking about um, the Manichaean divine twin, right? Mm -hmm. The the purely spiritual guardian angel divine twin uh, entity that is said to ha um, help a person uh, unite with the divine, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that would be a person who isn't. If you if you were a Manichaean reading reading this, I think that's what you would see. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can see that. 
Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. The other the other passage from the Quran that I wanted to mention um uh and uh and mention when we said to the angels prostrate to Adam and they prostrated except for Iblis he said should I prostrate to you to one you created from clay this is presumably um God talking to angels I think I don't know the context of the pa- uh-huh. passage but mm-hmm. you know so even Adam someone who was made from clay you know, someone who presumably all three, uh, you know, peoples of the book, right, would mm-hmm. they they think pretty highly of Adam as the first man. But even he's just a guy, just somebody who was created from clay. There's, a, yeah, you know, so there's there's interesting um, a kind of uh, <laughs> I, I've seen other people comment and say this this passage proves that uh, you know we shouldn't. We shouldn't be religious, and we shouldn't follow other people because, you know, it's it's all about your own individual special snowflake gnosis. <laughs> you know? and, and I don't I don't think that's what's being said here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. it's good. I mean, you know, read it however you want. I'm not your boss. <laughs> well, I seem to recall that, and we we've heard, been hearing a lot about the Azides recently. And that they worship uh, the peacock angel, who supposedly would not bow down to Adam. Yeah, and that, that's part of that mythology. So I, I, I think mean, that's that, that, that passage, yeah, yeah, from the night journey, which you know, is very interesting. For, the night journey in general is very interesting from a uh, Gnostic ascent kind of point of view, which maybe could be a whole show later. Yes. <laughs> yes, I would probably say that. I'd like to get somebody who's an expert in that yeah. in that field on, because that is something that I have not studied at all. But it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually, I mean, I'm obviously horrified about what's going on um, in the Middle East, but learning about the Azides has actually been quite fascinating. I had yeah. got entirely, the information that I had learned when I was younger has proven to be pretty much entirely wrong. So... Mm. So, I mean, those kinds of ideas that have been called heresies over the years, the antinatalism and the docetism and, and even the adoptionism that you could talk about where that, that you mentioned uh, briefly during the video part, the video part where, um, you know, the the school of thought where Jesus was a dude and this divine Jesus descended, this divine Christos descended upon him, maybe at his baptism or at some other point. Right. You know, so that. I think that even for such a short little little passage that appears to be more or less unique in the early Christian slash early Gnostic um, milieu uh, can can shed a lot of light on a lot of different things mm-hmm. to be said yes. in the most vague way possible. I you know I I I think you've brought up some really excellent points here, and I'm not intending here to argue with you. Um, I'm just I, I'm struggling a little bit with the antinatalism thing. I, I see your point. Um, I just I'm just not entirely sure. I'm not I'm not entirely sure if it was intended. Well, I don't know. I'm not well, sure no, if it was antinatalist yeah. or was it intended to simply distinguish between a human being versus. Um, a, 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 an entirely spiritual being. No, I think you're right. I, I don't think that this is. You know, this passage is code for don't have babies because it's bad. 
I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, it, it just reminded me of, you know, of that kind of, that kind of idea that was floating around, uh, around the Gnostic scene, especially like the Cathars and some other sure. groups like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm still hung up on the whole recognition thing. I have to admit, you know, the, the more I started just reading that and more that I started, you know, just kind of, we started reading it over and over again. There's this, the question comes in, how do you recognize what's not been born of woman? Uh, yeah, the, the preacher in the tent will tell you, and then you, you, you believe him because he, he, he knows better than you. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was it was actually kind of interesting that you bring that up, Father, because um, there's a, a w- woman, she does this uh, Facebook page called Stuff Christian Culture Likes. Oh, yeah. And it, it's very mocking of evangelicalism. She's had a, a history of abuse in evangelical churches, but she, she finds some pretty egregious examples of religious crap is the best way I know how to put it. But... Um, she put something up by a right-wing leader who insisted, who decided to write on the question of whether Robin Williams uh, had gone to heaven or not. Oh, yeah. um, and one of the things that she said is, is that there is no place for faith in fundamentalism. You know, they're they're just going to tell you the answer. They they're they're going to claim to already know what's going on. There's no place for faith. Uh, well, there's and, no mystery. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the most exciting things for me about Gnosticism is that there's there's an awful lot of things that nobody will tell you it's this or it's that. Mm-hmm. They'll say, yeah, isn't that interesting? What do you think? Yeah, exactly. What do you think? And and I think for me also, and one of the reasons why I really like doing these shows on the Gospel of Thomas is that once we all get talking and saying what we think or what we've experienced, I always come away just incredibly enriched. And this is true, you know, not just on talknosis, but any kind of conversation with other people of, of faith, people who even aren't of faith, but who have considered these things. Um, when there's that ability to exchange, um, it, it does become greater than some of its parts. Mm-hmm. The conversation. There's something. There's something that's born from that, and uh, not born of woman, <laughs> but um, you know, there's something that 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 is born of that conversation when people come together not to make proclamations, but to offer ideas and opinions and experiences. It's a a, a far more, dare I say it, loving experience mm-hmm. than simply being uh, told by somebody who is convinced they figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. One, <laughs> to get back to the topic of sorry. the yeah, it's all right. That's that's what we're here for to go on. Yeah. To- <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, I wanted to just talk a little bit more about Manichaeanism. Um, specifically, I think the way the way that Manichaeanism has been interpreted through the lens of the Ecclesia Gnostica. Um, I want to read you a little bit from their catechism. Hmm. Um. Then I lost my place. Okay, so um, their catechism number 30, does each individual human have a guardian angel? It has been commonly held by tradition that each person has a special guardian angel. Experience both Gnostic and otherwise bears this out. By the same token, it must be recalled that the concept of the guardian angel has been influenced by a yet more profound mystery, i.e. that of the divine twin or twin angel. 
and mm-hmm. 31 says, what is the divine twin or twin angel? There are reports in Gnostic scripture and tradition about a celestial twin spirit who overshadows the human and at certain special times manifests to him. In Pista Sophia, such a twin comes to Jesus early in his life and unites with him. The holy prophet Mani experienced several manifestations of his twin who finally united with him and took him to heaven. So hmm. um, that that immediately came to mind when we were talking about this passage tonight, that, that kind of idea that there is this divine twin that is, uh, you, so your version of yourself, you were born to woman, right? In that sense mm-hmm. that you were born into the material universe. This mm-hmm. divine twin, especially in the Ecclesiastes kind of interpretation of it, it, was created or is co-eternal with you in a certain sense, mm-hmm. um, but it has not been manifest. It has not been born of woman. And that is mm-hmm. the, the, Entity that that divine twin or divine or twin angel is the entity that will will assist you in taking you to heaven or reuniting you with the pleroma. Mm-hmm. Um, Father, does this angel, other than reuniting you with the pleroma, does this angel involve your own development as well while you are still here? Um, well, uh, while yeah. you're still alive. Uh, in in theory, yes. Um, you know that like Mani saw this, saw his divine twin several times, and each time the twin gave some revelation to him, uh, you know, in one form or another, and taught him something that he went on to then teach other people. So that seems to be the case that this divine twin, it, it, the function is both educational and salvific. Interesting. Okay. So this divine twin, in many ways, uh, according to this, then would be very similar then to the uh, concept of the holy guardian angel uh, that we find in some of the esoteric schools. I think so. In fact, mm-hmm. it's interesting that you mention esoteric schools because that's another note that I took. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the uh, the idea of the secret chiefs or the invisible college uh, among mm-hmm. some esoteric societies who use that uh, that. Uh, mechanism i guess you'd say um we did a show on on this channel actually with greg kaminsky on on the lost word show about um the secret chiefs and and it was a very interesting discussion that we had there um but basically the the idea that there are these unmanifest or possibly formerly human entities that direct the function of an esoteric order Mm -hmm. uh, and they are more spiritual and hence know more than us and are able to, you know, tell us what to do and, and how to do it. That is interesting. I have to give that, a, I have to definitely give that a watch. The other thing that, I, that this struck me is I'm reminded of the psychologist uh, James Hillman's book, The Soul's Code. And I don't know if you're familiar with Hillman or not. No. Um, no. A very interesting man. He was a neo-Jungian. Uh, he was involved a bit in the men's in the men's uh, men's movement, not in the you know the MRA kind of stuff, but in, in, in encouraging men to develop them themselves psychologically and spiritually and whatnot. But he was kind of a, a maverick in the in the psychology community. And but in the Soul's Code, he, he kind of remythologizes. The human condition, and he goes to the, the the Platonic idea of the daemon or the angel that guides you into becoming who you are. 
And I, I read the book at a very difficult time in my life, and it was actually quite quite helpful. But the, the idea that there is something out there um, guiding you um, and watching over you, you know, it, it was certainly something you're not going to hear from most psychologists. Um, but Hillman was very happy to go out there and state that. Yeah, you, well, I mean, obviously, Gnosticism being heavily influenced by Platonism, you know, that, that daemon um, becomes that divine twin, you know, that the concept of the daemon becomes the, you know, um, divinized in a certain sense, and then the mm -hmm. becomes, a, becomes your angel, so... Well, and certainly, um, and modern Gnosticism has certainly been influenced by Jungian uh, psychology as well. Right, right. So, there, there, I think there's probably a lot of fruit... Uh, that can be harvested from those traditions as well with regards to this verse and the, and the concept there. And as I said, one thing, one interpretation that I did certainly read was that pe was people suggested that when you see the one that has not been born of woman, it is a, more of a personal process rather than identifying an exterior um, God-man or God figure to, to bow down and worship. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you, I just for some strange reason I remember the the Buddhist koan. You know, if you see the Buddha on the road, kill him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we're either going to kill him or bow down, and you know, on our faces. <laughs> either is good. Pick one. You know, uh, just to um, interject, maybe something a little different here. Um, you know, again, I want to maybe we say there's not a lot of parallels here, but. Uh, even within these notes here, we see some mention of John 10.30, I and the Father are one. Um, you know, when we, I think, look at some of the other contexts where we have sort of, you know, kind of those ideas, even from, you know, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word or the Logos, and the Logos was with God. Um, we have... Um, John 8, 58, uh, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Um, we've got this idea that that the Christ and the Father are one. It's manifest, you know, not only, I think, within many of the gospel teachings, but also within the canonical gospels. And the idea of the Father being that is, that is not begotten, is not born of a woman, is something that uh, has manifested, uh, you know, in and of itself. Um, you know, so again, I have to kind of draw for my own conclusions, you know, um, I think some of the parallels that Father Tony's talking about, sort of this idea of this guardian spirit, what some may call the holy guardian angel, what some may call the true self or the higher self, you know, is this what Christ was referring to in all of these things. Yeah, I, that's an interesting question. <laughs> it, it, it is interesting because some of the other verses in uh, the Gospel of Thomas seem to associate, Christ seems to associate himself more with God or the, the, the Father. And this one, there seems possibly, possibly to be a separation um, but as you, as we've pointed out, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, right, like mm -hmm. this one, he's not overtly saying, you know, um, when you see me, <laughs> because I am not begotten of, of woman or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes, um, I mean, he clearly says when you see him, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. Context is everything. Maybe he was winking really hard at everybody. <laughs> well, and, then, and, 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 and that's definitely the possibility, you know, um, and you know who we don't know. For example, these things were collect. These things were collected over time. Uh, I read an interesting. This is not very related, but kind of. I read oh. an interesting uh, paper by April DeConnick um, today that she had posted on her uh, academia uh, that that website. What's the uh, academia? Academia Edu. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Wait, you read something by April DeConnick? I would never have guessed. You, that. Father Tony. <laughs> I have a I crush on April DeConnick. <laughs> I'm shocked. Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys. Um, <laughs> no, so she, uh, as part of her teaching uh, method, she will say to her, she'll tell a, a parable to her students mm -hmm. um, in the form, it's like a modern parable. The kingdom, is, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to prove her point by telling it right now. Okay. Um, the, the kingdom is like a woman who found a lottery ticket on the street, and the next day when the numbers came up, she won $20 million. And so she tells that story, that parable, and then we'll go on to like talk about parables in general. And then at the end of the class, she will ask her students to recreate the parable verbatim. Um, and inevitably, nobody does it exactly right. And I'm sure I didn't do it exactly right because she, she has it written down and she reads it the same way every time she does it. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody gets the gist of it, mm -hmm. you know. And so she goes on to talk about how there are certain types of literature that are more likely to be transmitted word for word. Um, like poetry, for example, is more likely to get transmitted word for word because the words are important in a poem that, you know, you see, you know, the words have to rhyme or there's a meter or something like that. But in a parable, it, it's more about the gist of the story. And so mm -hmm. it's not as important. So I think what a lot of what happened probably with the Gospel of Thomas was a, there were a lot of parables that somebody just got the gist of and wrote them down. Mm -hmm. Which is super frustrating because, you know, all of these things have been taken as gospel truth, to, <laughs> to coin a phrase. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and what we're really talking about is somebody's third-hand memory of something somebody else said Jesus said, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and I think that you've uh, captured this very well, Father Tony. I hate to put you on the spot, but do you know the name of that paper? Uh, I will look it up as we speak. Okay. I, I just be, it would be interesting to read, and I think it would be interesting for everybody to read it as, long as we go through the Gospel of Thomas, because we still have a lot of verses left. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I did want to mention uh, briefly, uh, Father Tony brought earlier in, the, in, the, in, the, in this uh, podcast, um, the early Christian writing site is a treasure trove of great information. If you're not familiar with it, it's at www.earlychristianwritings.com. And basically, the person who's put this together has uh, assembled a huge collection of early Christian writings, uh, canonical and apocryphal, and, and just and, and, and a lot of... Um, a lot of Gnostic stuff, but just all kinds of, of, of things to read. And they're up there. It's got multiple tr uh, translations, and there's oftentimes information from comment there's also, uh, from commentators um, and people who have also decided to contribute uh, their own interpretations of these passages. And the Gospel of Thomas is particularly uh, helpful because he actually uh, breaks it up verse by verse and uh, you can actually, it's called the Collected Commentary, 
and you can actually click on each verse. The verses there in different in 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 Coptic. There are three different translations, um, and there are scholarly quotes from people who are all over the map theologically as well as reader contributions. So if you're looking to do some Bible study on your own, you don't have the money for a lot of commentaries, this is a wonderful online resource. I'm having trouble finding it. Oh, don't worry about that, Father. <laughs> I was just plugging this wonderful resource. Yeah. Anyway, if I mean, it's just it's safe to assume if you go to academia.eu and you look up April DeConnick, you're going to read something interesting. Yes, we know. <laughs> <laughs> no, she she is she is great, and um, I do encourage uh, folks to read her stuff. Uh, not only is she, you know, as, as Father Tony would say, wicked smart, but she is a, a, a great scholar, a good writer, and she's one of the few. Scholars of religion, it struck that strikes me as somebody who actually wants to treat religious people as human beings. Mm, um, yeah, I brought definitely. I brought this up before, but a lot of times, I you, particularly when they people write about heretics, you get this very one dimensional impression that a person's heresy was all that they are. And mm -hmm. uh, Deconic gives me the impression that she saw these people as having inner lives <laughs> and personal lives. Um, and that's one of, the, one of the things I really appreciate about the stuff that I've read by her. Right. And she kind of assigns motivations to people based on, you know, what they, what they would have been actually thinking and doing, uh, you know, back then, as opposed to assigning modern, uh, modern values to ancient people. Yeah, I think that that that's a real issue. And but I, I, even and this is growing up as an, an as a uh, evangelical, there is a tendency to just associate um, evil intent to any of the so-called yeah uh, uh, heretics that these were people who were deliberately wrong, <laughs> right? And uh, that they were doing this intentionally uh, with and um, DeConnick doesn't take that approach, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, I'm really frustrated. I can't find that uh, paper now. Well, I'm sure we'll find. We'll, we'll have a look at it later. I would just be really interested in reading it because I think it, that's some great material for anybody who wants to be teaching scripture. It's important for them to understand. Yeah. And to point that out to their students. Um, one one other thing I wanted to talk about, actually, when we were talking about um, during the video show, talking about the, uh, huh, I found it. <laughs> oh, you found it. Okay, great. Uh, we're talking about ego um, as the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, as as the as that thing that is physically manifest. You know, that that thing that is born from woman. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I think that's an interesting kind of esoteric way to read this passage. That. You know, the you find the things in yourself that are eternal, mm -hmm. and those are the things where you put your energy. Those are the places where you put your energy, as opposed to the things that the, the mask of the personality and that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. I have an interesting kind of relationship to the way that the ego is treated in various um, esoteric traditions. Uh, for example, in in a in a kind of um, and I'm I, I'm broadly painting these things, and they're not entirely true. But in an Eastern sense, where you um, 
you kind of subdue the ego and you and you eliminate it in a certain sense and then in the um you know kind of in several western traditions where you um incorporate quote unquote the ego into the total personality in kind of a jungian sense a jungian individuation sense mm -hmm. so the, it seems to be contradictory in uh you know in terms of <laughs> you know in, in terms of the uh the way that the ego is treated so it's it's tough to know exactly who to listen to when it comes to the ego mm -hmm. well you when you see the one who has not been born of woman right he'll 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 guide you yeah. <laughs> after, after you've fallen down and worshiped him can i tell you the story about when i met a, a secret chief did i, I, I <laughs> no I no that, that, i have to hear i told Just that story on greg's show but i'll tell it again here so um Greg Kaminsky and I, it was one of the first times that we had actually met in person. So this was, this was probably back in 2007 or 2006. Um, and uh, and he and I were, we were doing a, um, a meetup uh, for St. Saint, uh, Sarah's Parish back in the very early days of St. Sarah's Parish. We were going to have a, a discussion group on... Uh, this was before I was a priest or anything. We were going to have a discussion group on um, the history of esotericism and its relationship to Joanite spirituality, which I spent you know weeks and weeks preparing for, <clears throat> because back then I used to prepare for things, not like now. Um, so we we were uh, I, I had all these charts and everything, and so Greg and I we sat down we were going to talk and nobody else was coming, which was pretty typical of those days. You know, back in the early days before. Uh, I knew what you know how to how to do marketing and all that stuff. So it was going to be Greg and I sitting in the room together, and so we just started chatting. And uh, and this guy came in. He called himself John. Uh, he had like a big long beard, and and he was I think he was dressed all in black. And he sat down and he started talking with us. And he uh, you know he he knew all this stuff and he knew all these people and he you know was talking about stuff and. And you just got the impression from him that, you know, he wasn't an actual person. He was just, you know, one of these, uh, you know, one of these ascended masters who came down, who deigned to come down and chat with us. <laughs> wow. And yeah. And he came in and, he, and we talked for a couple of hours and then he, he left and we never heard from him again. Just disappeared. So Greg and I say that we met a secret chief. <laughs> oh, hey, why not? Yeah, I guess. Why not? No, seriously. I mean, I I can believe. I can absolutely believe that sure. would happen. Yeah. No, I choose to believe it. But yeah, I'm sure it was just some guy who read the same internet everybody else did. And uh <laughs> well, I, you know, I was um, somebody I know uh, actually believes that she met an angel once. There was she. Um, her car had broken down by the side of the road, and uh, she this this beautiful this car came up. And this yet beautiful young man, this woman I would point out was a middle-aged housewife, had had seven, eight kids, um, and but she just couldn't stop talking about how beautiful this this guy was. He was just absolutely gorgeous, and um, he came and he helped her with her car and got it all going again and everything. And she, there was like a glow around him, and she finally just said, "I'm sorry, but I need to know what what is your name?" And he and he smiled at her and he said, "Gabriel," and he walks off, gets in his car and drives off. What does Gabriel drive? <laughs> I, I, that I don't remember. This is like a twenty-year-old story, but it was just one of those. You know, it's one of those stories that probably a sweet Thunderbird. <laughs> probably, I would, I would hope so. I would hope so. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I would like to believe 
that there are entities that are not born of woman who are, or I should say, who were not born as human, uh, who occasionally decide to hang out. I think, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think you can be in this business and not think that. <laughs> it's just trying. To, the problem is, is that there are plenty of people who will claim to be such, um, and they usually make a mess of things. Mm. But maybe it's the one who doesn't come. Maybe it's the one who doesn't claim anything. It just comes in, and it's up to you to recognize it. Yeah, that's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> I've recently seen a video that a friend had posted of uh, uh, yeah, a Puerto Rican uh, minister who's now based out of Miami, who has started a movement who claims to be the reincarnation, the second coming of Christ. And what amazes me is, uh, you know, how many churches and how international this church has become and how many members and how much revenue. And it's like, wow, people buy into this, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's, it's always amazing. Yeah, I, uh, that's frustrating, isn't it? Because I know if I were just a little less scrupulous, I could make a lot of money in religion. <laughs> you know, you know it's mentioned that you funny that you mentioned that, Father Tony, because I was just um, reading some, you know, new age wackdoodle stuff by people who were making a lot of money. At it. Yeah. And it occurred to me, you know, if I was just if I had no principles and no morals, I could probably read enough of this stuff to figure out what their shtick is, what buttons they are pushing, and you know, do something that could actually make me a living. Yeah. Um, Learn a little NLP, a little cold reading. Well, you know, I, I'm already a writer, so I know how to manipulate people with words to a certain degree. But and it's very obvious what they're doing in their right in these writings, the style, the shifts, the the the, the, the you know the syntax, everything is done in a way uh, to persuade people and to get people to bypass their critical thinking faculties. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, but I was just thinking, gee, if I had absolutely no scruples, you know, we, we, I could do something like this. Yeah. Yeah. We're content to be poor. Yeah. Oh well, it is what it is. I before I bet people are screaming at their phones. So before too much more time goes by, I want to talk and mention that paper uh, again. It's called "Human Memory and the Sayings of Jesus: Contemporary Experimental Exercises in the Transmission of Jesus Traditions" by April DeConnick. It's uh, you know a handful of pages, maybe two dozen pages. Got some charts and things in it, and uh, and it was an interesting read. I mean, the first half of it that I read because it was long. Yeah. Is there a link that you can put up for that, uh, Father Tony, uh, when we put up uh, this podcast? There absolutely is. The chances that I'll remember to do it are. <laughs> well, maybe I'll, 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 will Bishop Canterbury, we can help remind Father Tony that when, when the podcast comes up. That's if uh, I remember to post the podcast. At all. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot to do. There is a lot to do. Believe me. Yeah, I know. I know. I I feel your pain, Father. There is a lot to do, and I know Bishop Canterbury has a lot to do as well. Yeah. So. Well, have we exhausted our? I think we've exhausted this particular very short verse. Mm -hmm. 
we would, you know, uh, those who are listening want to chime in with some comments on the the, the talk gnosis page at Gnostic NYC. It's talknosis.gnosticnyc.com. When this is up, uh, certainly feel free to leave some comments. And if you want to get discussion going, we can also do the same thing in the Facebook group. But I think we've kind of exhausted this particular verse for now. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. And uh, the um, what's, what, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to remind our viewers that our podcast and our video shows are brought to us by Patreon. So if you want to help us uh, by supporting our work, uh, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Gnostic. It's a pretty simple uh, mechanism. You pledge a small amount, but and every time we release a video or a podcast, uh, you'll you'll pledge that small amount to us, and at the end of the month, you'll get billed for the whole thing. You can set a an upper limit so you never get charged more than you expect, mm-hmm. and uh, and we really appreciate those current patrons who support us and and the work that we do. And the more the more patrons we get, the uh, the more, uh, the more and better programming we can put out for you. All right. Thank you very much, Father, for that. And yeah, Patreon's a, it's a great program. I support uh, several uh, cre- content creators through, this, through the program, and I know it's made a big difference for them. And it, it's a wonderful thing. I just, just in my own experience, I can set uh, a limit, as Father Tony mentioned, and uh, I'm billed once a month. And uh, it's it's a great it's a really great it's a really great way to support content producers online. So do check it out. Yeah, support our artisanal Gnostic education. Uh, <laughs> Our yes. ethical, yeah, ethically sourced ethical, artisanal. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, because we 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 we've all decided that we're not going to make a lot of money by being charlatans. <laughs> yes. I'm I've been toying with uh, a new logo, and um, you know I'm I'm everything I see around me is like old timey lettering with banners in a circle. That's all you know, like. It's twee and and uh, <laughs> it just they all have giant beards and thick glasses. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, hipster logos all over the place. So I'm trying not oh. to do that, but I can't oh. avoid it. I'm too old for hipster logos. <laughs> I have a handlebar mustache. I I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I, yeah, I know, but I I'm 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 elderly and frail, and <laughs> this doesn't suit me. <laughs> All right, uh, I think we should stop before, <laughs> we stop before we get even sillier. All righty, well then, thank you everybody for listening. If you made thank it you. this far and haven't thrown your iPod away, uh, and then uh, for those of you who made it to the end, we'll see you next week. All right, take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. This has been a production of the Gnostic NYC Network. For more information on this and all of the Gnostic NYC Network's programming, visit GnosticNYC.com. This podcast has been released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International License. Thank you.